another week. This is the 3rd of August 2017. Joining me as always, Dan Miller. Hello, hello. Rick Legato. Good evening. Every time I go to say your last name, my mind goes blank. Oakton. Tony Oakton, the famous Tony You know what Oak. I was going to call you then? <laughs> Borman. That's fine, Tony Borman. Tony Borman. Borman's the guy who made the movie. The last time you were on the show, I did exactly the same thing. Just well think of Hobbits, Oak, Dan. The, the embarrassing thing is I see Tony every day of my life. <laughs> you don't refer to me as Oak, though. <laughs> no, that's right. Um, and today we're going to be having a look at what the director of the film quoted as saying, it went from failure to classic without ever passing through success. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful quote. It's a great quote, and I'm going to hold on to that forever. As John Borman uh, famously said that recently about a film uh, that he made uh, starring Sean Connery called Zardoz. 1974. 74, uh, now commonly uh, referred to as a cult classic, and, uh, and definitely going to be a lot of fun having a chat about uh, tonight. But uh, how are we, gentlemen? Mm. On this rainy winter winter eve, a bit of a cough. Yeah, so. my voice is a bit more sexy that's, and that's, uh, than it usually is. So. <laughs> that's Tom's microphone, so you can cough, cough all over that one. <laughs> he's he's got those German genes; he'll just push right through that whatever that ilk is. Have you been, sir? How's Bubba keeping you up? Yeah, no, she's she's good. She's still sleeping the night through. We're very lucky. She's been doing that since she was four weeks old. Um, she takes after me, I think. Food and sleep are two of her favourite things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, m- uh, Mia was similar. We, we thought we were blessed as well. But there is a point where all that comes back and haunts you. <laughs> Goes in cycles. <laughs> Dan, have you been? Having had two children, I can tell you that it's nature's way of lulling you into a false sense of security. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do have a second one and then you yeah. regret it instantly. <laughs> Oh, this is going live, isn't it? My son will see this. One. He's a lovely child. I love him very much now. Some creative editing after the there. show. Dan, have you been, sir? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Pretty busy. Pretty crazy. Pretty wet. Pretty rainy. And you, you have the uh, the enviable task of of having to watch this film multiple times to uh, to get some. Uh, narrative beats and notes and things in preparation. Now we're going to have to put this into um, into context. Yes. I think in the chat earlier on today, and this is what I was saying to uh, Dave before. I think it was um, Rick who said, um, "No, no, it was, no Tony. it was Tony. It was Tony." So we were saying, "Are we all ready to go with the podcast?" And uh, your quote was, "Yes, I watched Zardos all the way through." <laughs> <laughs> And I was sort of contrasting contrasting that with, like, you know, Wonder Woman or something. You, you wouldn't go to the theatre and say, did you see Wonder Woman, Tony? Yeah. And then you'd respond, I even yes, finished it. I watched it all the way through. <laughs> you wouldn't say that. You'd just say, yeah, I wouldn't saw Wonder Woman. It was awesome. And I take 
Apple re- re- responsibility for this film. This was my suggestion. And you should. And there will there will be penance. There will be there must be penance uh, as a result of it. Um, <clears throat> but I have to say that um, I found I found enough between the lines of it as uh, as a historical document of where we've been in in cinema, I guess, um, to find it interesting. Yeah. I, I found, and we we spoke about that yesterday. That there's there's something compelling there. It might not be in the normal places you would find it, uh, but there's some interest there. I might save my opinions till the end, mm-hmm. but uh, my I, I will give you the shape of my opinions. Mm-hmm. They started at one point, they, then they got quite different, and then they ended up back at the same yeah. point that they started at. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how the shape, uh, and that refers to the fact <laughs> that I have to watch it three times. Who would like to give us a um, synopsis uh, sort of a one or elevator pitch, I guess, of what this film is all about. We, if we're going to go through it and discuss all of the the beats and the the, the parts and bits and pieces of the story, I was thinking that perhaps going through it slowly, revealing the story one step at a time, might not be the way to approach this movie yeah. because logical things don't make sense when talking about this movie. So yeah, it might need a synopsis. At the start, it might need an introduction of who the characters are and some of the yeah. people and the. Well, well it's set in uh, two thousand two hundred thirty-two, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. In the far future. Yep. Yep. Um, there is Zardos. He's a bunch of what they call exterminators. Well, well, Zardos Zed, is the Zed. Zed. Oh, Zed. Zed's one Zed. of yeah. the exterminators yep. that, yep. that uh, religiously follow the gods. Follow the god Zardos, which is a big floating head. And uh, their job is to kill the Brutals. The Brutals. Yeah. Well, their are, job originally was to kill the Brutals. Then they get a bit pissed off because they're turned into farmers. Yes, that's... That's when the uh, trouble starts, I think. And that's the reveal towards mm. the end. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, do, you want, do you want the IMDb blurb? Yep. In the distant future, a savage trained only to kill... A savage trained only to kill finds a way into the community of bored immortals that alone preserves humanity's achievements. So it sounds very sophisticated, doesn't it? It does. Sounds like quite a quite a handy proposal for a film, potentially. Well, there is a quite... A, and it is true. Like, yeah. I mean, in terms of story, there is actually quite a nice little story there. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just wrapped up in weird. But I agree with Tony. It's, I, I think there's so a story. If I could just come in to summarise the story. Yeah, go, go. Okay, so people in the future, they've they've retreated into this enclave after some sort of apocalyptic event. And they're, they've made themselves immortal by creating this, some sort of intelligence which monitors them. And then because they don't trust them, their judgment, they've removed their memory of how this thing was created and how to destroy it. And after that, they discover that they're getting really bored and they actually don't like want to live anymore, but this thing won't let them die. Mm-hmm. And the only way they can die is to create a mutant, mutant species out in the wasteland who will then come in and destroy them yeah. without this thing knowing that they're doing it. Yeah. So this kind of subplot then, and Sean Connery plays this guy called Zed, Zed, who they refer to him as a beast. But the interesting thing is, of course, he's actually highly intelligent, mm. as it's revealed in the end. And he's basically playing them because he wants to find out what they're doing. Mm. And in the end, he doesn't actually want to destroy them, I think. Mm. So there's a kind of interesting little weave of story there and some, you know, hidden machinations which are going on there. And and you can yeah. see yeah. 
a nice, uh, yeah, it's I a think, good sci-fi. You know, yeah, it's not, it's not a bad thing. This idea of it's people the execution. In the future. Yeah, the execution yeah. is a, is is a very modern. Yeah, the really. the narrative plot points are great. Yeah, it's the bit in between that yeah, joins absolutely. them or doesn't join them yeah. together. My, my so. opinion, globe, my global opinion about the film is that this is what you get when you when you scope too high and your budget is too low because it was a million dollar budget. Right. And two hundred thousand of it went to Sean Connery. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right, right. They're in Ireland, so they would have had to ship a bunch of people out to Ireland, and put them up yeah. as well. So that you know, it starts to eat, eat your dollars away. Um, if you scope too big, you can't shoot a million dollar film that has visual effects and special effects and all sorts of lighting effects and mirrors and holograms and things like that without doing some bizarre stuff. And that's what you're left with. I felt like it was a Doctor Who. I thought it would work well as it, or it would um, not be out of place as a Doctor Who episode from yeah. 1974. Absolutely. Chopped up into six yeah. episodes yeah. and made into a little TV series. They would just need to wind back the nipple. <laughs> yeah, maybe a little way too much yeah, nipple. There's, there's it was a lot, lot of nipple. nipple. Did notice that the women in the future are are, are, are quite lithe <laughs> and don't wear bras. They, well, they don't really need to. A lot of them really have the chest of a twelve-year-old boy. Like, the, well, so do the boys. So do the boys. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. Sean Connery really stood out in that crowd. <laughs> he was into ex-bodybuilder yes. and all yeah. that sort of stuff. Yeah. So where should we start then, Dan? How, how should we handle this one? Well, look, I was thinking about it, um, and I think the way that we need to proceed is kind of how we've been proceeding, where we can jump around, because the movie does that, Yep. Uh, and um, we probably need to explain things, because you get surprised by things, and there's all this sort of freak-out stuff that happens, you know, long episodes of freak-out stuff. Um, So we might do that. Um, If we start with the opening narrative... Okay, so the movie starts, and this is where I want to sort of maybe start the discussion. The opening narrative. Um, what's your opinions of the opening narrative? The floating head with the guy with the towel over his head? Yes, the guy with the disc cloth on his head. And he has one other surprising feature. <laughs> Painted on moustache <laughs> and, and weird liney goatee. There's an extra feature that is behind the scenes. Um, it was the studio that made him put it in. Made him put that start bit in? Yeah. Why? To, because the audience needed to understand what, what was going on. No, they fail, <laughs> fail. The, the studio um, needed the device to help the audience understand what was going on, which was in the trivia notes. Well, and that helped how? Well, <laughs> yes, he doesn't explain anything. Well, the only other, the, what it says in the trivia notes is the opening sequence. Now, I don't know whether that's floaty head guy. Or it's the Zardos landing. It's I can't be, imagine no. he would have started the film without Zardos landing and the and the guns and everything. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's the floaty head guy. It's floaty head guy. It's got two floaty so heads. In to the me, movie. it's right up there with studio cocking up a movie as bad as Blade Runner voiceover, mm. where they made it's, it's they made weird, him put the voiceover. Blade Runner was a good film. Yeah, but <laughs> they, <laughs> it was a slight difference. It was the studio that it was the studio that made them do a voiceover like it was. The 1940s um, um, noir. private dick, you know, mm. private eye yeah. investigation mm. thing, mm. which which uh, he never really wanted I, to do. I thought it was, yeah. Anyway, let's not talk about Blade Runner. So yeah, we we've got sad. this guy with a dishcloth on his head <laughs> and a painted on mustache, <laughs> yeah, who comes in and gives us some sort of Shakespearean poetry. He's a he's a um, a god by definition. Oh, look, I've got it And a magician by... Inclination. Inclination. 
And he, he and the other thing that sort of freaked me out, apart from that tone, right? That mm. they set that weird tone, and it's sort of satirical. He says it's satirical. Yeah. He says that the movie contains it. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And it contains characters that he's manipulating. Yeah. And then he's talking directly to the audience, and then he asks if the audience are also being manipulated yeah. by characters and, and other are the gods making. And perhaps God is an entertainer. Is his last no, phrase? Yeah, and no, perhaps God's from Hollywood as well. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how how you count walls, but he's definitely broken the fourth <laughs> wall, and he's hammering on whatever the fifth wall is. Yeah, yeah. He's also knocking that down. Yeah, absolutely. So you got this really. So that's your first impression, and and you're like, okay. Well, you half expect John Cleese or someone <laughs> yes. from Monty Python to pop up. Yes, yes. And then what happens? And then we're in the wastelands, uh, which in this film was filmed uh, just outside the back door of Mr. Borman's house in Ireland. Oh, was it? Yeah, some kind of green rolling hills of Killarney or something like that, I don't know. Yes. So it's a horrible wasteland and there's a big, big floaty head that's yes. flying through the sky. Yes. And it's big and it's... And it's like stark. It's like... Glowing the, eyes. Glowing eyes. It's a definition of stark. So... First for me, that contrast between dish, dish towel guy with the... And then we yeah, go yeah. straight to boom. Yeah, yeah. It's like, wow. And it could have almost been a scene out of Conan, you know, yeah, or so, yeah. you know, something mm. medieval like that. So we've got a bunch of guys and they're running around on the hills and they're all worshipping this head. Well, let's describe what the guys are... What 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 is their garb? What What is their... Sh- <laughs> what's their shtick? Yes. Well, they... Um, so there's cool... Speedos with... Uh, <laughs> Budgie smugglers with suspenders. If, well, it doesn't matter <laughs> which end you start from. You can yeah. start from the head down or the toes it's, up. Yeah, it's um, weirdness. Weird. You'll get to weirdness boots. eventually. Well, they got thigh, like thigh high, thigh high boots. Ho- hooker boots. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they've got a loincloth slash budgie smugglers, uh, bright red, mm-hmm. and ba- bandoliers. What are they called? Bandoliers. Yep. Yeah. Bullet belts, uh, matching colour. So everything's yep. red. Yep. The whole thing's red, uh, but yet they're on horse. A lot of them are on horseback, and they've got white clay-type masks that emulate yeah, Zardos, the floating head. And with face the, forward with the, and backwards. So I'm sure head, there's yeah. some significance for yeah. that. Well, at least in the director's head, there was some significance as to why they had to be facing forward and backwards. Yes. So, and they're all worshipping the flying head. Yes. All right. Um, and then the flying head speaks. The flying head lands, and then the flying head speaks. And this is, you know, if you're going to have quotes. Uh, does IMDB have the... <laughs> this is a quote? Because there's only one Zardos quote. Zardos speaks to you. So anyway, what does Zardos say? Zardos apparently has some philosophical thoughts to uh, to impart to us, the audience and the uh, the people. That the gun is good. Mm-hmm. Now up until this point, I could put up with the floaty head guy. Right? I like the floaty head well, not the dish towel no, floaty well, head. The, the, even the dish towel guy, okay. right? I could put up with him. And then the fact that we flashed to some point in time that I wasn't really sure when and where mm. we were or all that and then there's the floaty head thing, and the visual effects weren't too bad. And they weren't too bad. Yeah, the yeah. guys on the horses, yeah. and the, the landscape looked pretty good. And I'm thinking, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Zardos talks. The voice sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. Says the gun is good. Ah, hello. Okay, mm-hmm. violence at the heart of the belief system, and the penis <laughs> is bad. Is the very next line. And then I'm left scratching my head, instantly scratching my head, thinking, okay, well, where the hell is this guy now? Yeah, yeah. So we've started with Dish Dow, Satirical uh, Shakespeare, Flying Head, and then we've gone straight to 
He's the penis, to, penis um, is bad. You have been raised up from <clears throat> brutality to kill the brutals who multiply and are legion. To this end, Zardos, your god, gave you the gift of the gun. The gun is good. All right. So, And the penis is evil. And the penis is evil, yeah. It's almost like the foundation of the United States. Really. <laughs> no, but it, that doesn't doesn't work. The gun is good works, but yeah. then what do you do with the penis is evil bit? You can't keep anybody happy with this situation. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> in fact, they've got a big penis in charge at the moment. <laughs> All right, so, um, and then the head proceeds to vomit guns. Yes, and shells. And shells, Bullets. yes. In so, return for <clears throat> grain right. and tribute. Yes. Not at first. We, we'll well, well we, we'll kind of find out that later. I think it's fair for this movie to jump ahead and backwards and forwards and explain yeah, things. Yeah, we might have to. Because there's no other way. Yeah. You, you can't survive without. Yeah. So, yes, they swap grain and potatoes, I do believe. Later on. Yes. Of course, so, it's Ireland. It's interesting. Ireland. <laughs> exactly. Point, I never thought of that. Sean Connery breaks the, uh, the fourth wall as well by shooting the audience. It is true. opening couple of finishes, shots. Yeah. Which I think, yeah. I don't know whether that, that signifies something. I mean, I mean clearly this is... This is an early stage where they've just been given the guns and then what happens? Presumably they go off and do all this killing mm. and the next time we see him in the, in the head and then mm. we, through flashbacks we find out that there's been this other stuff that's gone on over a period of years yeah. presumably in between yeah. where they've been turned into farmers and he's, they've been started, started to bring the grain on board the head yeah. and he smuggled himself onto the head and that's how he got him. Mm. If there has been sort of a change in time... And this is a bit of a theme when they, they're sort of presenting the story to you as the audience. You get no sense that there's a change in time. All you get the sense really, well, this is what I got, yeah. was just no, freak no. out. It's yeah. just yeah. something freaky, something yeah. else freaky. Yeah. You, you would have you'd have been very forgiven for thinking that the next mm. sequence followed on immediately from that sequence mm. yes. mm. when you're watching it until you actually watch the rest of the movie and then through yeah. flashbacks you understand that there yeah. was quite a lot that happened between those two times. When Sean Connery points the gun at the the thing, it's a revolver. <laughs> you can see right. clear blue daylight through the yeah, 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 yeah. at the back. It's a very unique gun. <clears throat> that particular gun is a semi-automatic revolver. It I it, saw it him cocks sort of, itself when you yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, I read it in the notes. It's called a <clears throat> Gweebly Veebly or some some weird name. But mm-hmm. the whole front of the gun, you pull like this, and it cocks it the first time. But then every time you fire it, it, it actually the recoil. Recocks it, so it's a semi-automatic. Uh, okay. um, Giant condoms behind the building. <laughs> <laughs> Never made that connection, but that's a good one too. That that works. That really works. So he he basically jumps on to Zardos uh, and conceals himself in a pile of grain. At some stage, there might have been a hundred-year gap in yeah. between there. We don't know. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So the next shot, we so we go freak out montage. We see the gun <clears throat> rise up out of the grain. Now right. that is a Borman signature thing. Mm-hmm. He made it. Excalibur, and <laughs> <Okay>. Excalibur <laughs> with the sword. But he also made Deliverance. Yeah. He made Deliverance. He made Deliverance. And there's a scene in that with a double barrel <laughs> shotgun that comes out of the water as well. It's his signature piece. It's, okay. his, oh. it's his go-to shtick yeah, as, cool. as a director. Yeah. So that's the that's the relevance of. How did the gun man first. make this and Deliverance? 
Deliverance is a good film. Did he make it before or after? That's it not is. all. Like the cinematographer of this made Superman and and there's a bunch of stuff yeah. that the cinematographer went on to do as well. I can see a lot of Stanley, Stanley Kubrick kind of yes, wannabe is, going yeah, on in is, here. Yeah. It's like yeah. discount Stanley it long Kubrick. After one was it this? Mm. Must have been Actually, sort. 2001, the, the cinematographer was yeah. the cinematographer oh, was on, on 2001. Although... Working under Kubrick, I can't imagine the cinematographer would have been doing a lot. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. But he well, was the cinematographer actually, for 2001. Interesting. An interesting thing. One of the first things that... One of the good things that this movie did for me when I... Because I have seen... I did see it when I was a young man. Mm-hmm. So this isn't my first exposure to this film. I, I, I love the music. Yeah, and it's Beethoven. It's the second movement of Beethoven's Seventh. Oh, is it really? Which is probably one of the most um, hauntingly beautiful symphony movements that Beethoven wrote. And it got me into, into, into Beethoven. And then I went out and listened to a lot of his other symphonies than most of his sonatas. And so this movie actually, and a lot of other people, they also, you know, they were introduced to um, Beethoven's music through this movie. And uh, Kubrick's, of course, did something similar with 2001, where he mm. used... Head clock of orange. Yeah, a lot mm. of, you know, John Strauss's uh, waltzes for the... Uh, mm. And again, that introduced me to waltzes there. So, mm. yeah, there are there de- definitely similarities. Mm. Um, all right, so the, he comes out of the wheat, so he's stowing away on the head, yes. in the head, right? Yeah. And we in don't know why, but, but he's there. Now, there are people inside plastic bags inside yeah, the why? head. I don't know why, though. Why? <laughs> I have no idea. Ziplocs. <laughs> why? Because freak out. You know? I think freak out is the reason for... There's a lot. <clears throat> My assumption was that they were powering it in some way. They were the okay, that's a good, that's a good yeah. thought. But I've got yeah. no reason for assuming that at all, other than that it seemed like the only possible explanation as to why they're... They were in there. Yeah. And I don't know why they were vacuum wrapped. No. no. <laughs> and why they were mostly naked. Yeah. Um, yeah. The cinematographer, by the way, is Jeffrey Unsworth, yeah. who did uh, 2001, Superman 1 and 2, Cabaret, uh, Return of the Pink Panther, Murder on the Orient Express. He's a prolific um, from, movies, yeah, from, say, 1980 all the way back to starting around... 42. Oh, wow. I thought the people, the cling-wrapped people, were part of Zardoz's uh, breeding program. You know how he be. bred the mutants? Oh, yeah. And he bred that super, like he was breeding on He purpose. breeds the exterminators, oh, doesn't so he? So there were people who were bringing in, back? In hindsight, I thought oh. that's probably why he had those people, is that he's part of his breeding program. Oh, possibly. Oh, could be. I like Tony's idea that they're like the psychic batteries that fly the big flying head. Oh, I think it could be the... It could be the breeding as well, which explains the naked any, for some reason. There certainly weren't any women around. Seems to be naked in this movie with the ex- exterminators. <clears throat> no, there weren't. There weren't any female exterminators. No. I also noticed that a lot of the people exterminated seemed to be wearing suits. Yeah, it was a bit ordinary. Was a bit <laughs> 300, set three hundred years in All the right. future, and everyone's walking around in tweed. And I'll build on top of that. <laughs> those people are the brutals. That's right. Why? Now, this, this movie is going to do this repeatedly. Why do you call them the Brutals? <laughs> they're not brute, brutal. Yeah. It's a brute. Yeah. They're, they're actually just dirty, boring people. D- dirty, poor people. You know, what? what anyway, so many layers of confusingness is just sort of stacked into this. So, anyway. Um, all right. Well, I so, think the reason they were the, called the Brutals is because of. Who, 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 what, who, what do we call these people? The people who are inside the. the, the internal. The, the, the eter- Eternals. The Eternals, yeah. yeah. The Eternals had had to, because they, you know, when after the apocalypse they couldn't help them, so they had to 
create this sort of you know barrier. But they had to harden their hearts, and to do that, they I think they just and and let the unwashed yeah. masses yeah. die. So and, the, and then just sort of they're the brutish yeah, unwashed. They, the only masses. way they could handle that guilt was to sort of just refer to them as a brutal and just dehumanise dehumanise them. There's, exactly, there's yeah. five identifiable groups. One is the brutals, the eternals, the renegades, the apathetics, yeah, and the exterminators. Yeah, I'm sort of complaining. There's a know. couple there that I'm not sure who the. No, no, they're, 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 that's all correct. The, the couple that I'm just sort of yeah. Anyway, brutals doesn't. It's brutal yeah. seems active. Yeah, right. They're very passive people. So yeah. anyway, it, it doesn't sort of describe it for me. But anyway, yes, those are all the people, and we will meet all of those people. There's one other person on the flying Zardos head, mm, mm. and that is of course Arthur Dishtow. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, aka Zardos. Aka Zardos. Yep. And um, Zed shoots him and he falls out the mouth. Yeah. And then he kind of floats. He, he but sort he of floats. floats, doesn't he? Like he's yeah. like a zero, zero gravity <laughs> or like, something. Is he floating? <laughs> he certainly wasn't falling. Or was he falling? I wasn't really. I think he was falling um, when they did the flashback, when they tapped into his memory and tried to work out what had yeah. happened to him. I think it's the idea that, you know... <clears throat> How uh, parachutists look like they're floating. Ah, uh, yeah, doing a bit of free, free fall. Free fall. I often think with these things that you know the director and the best boy have this discussion about how cool some of the backstory is, and then they take a few shots back and they shoot a few other things, and then they realise that they've only got four shots, but they've got four million pages of backstory that they've never really explained to yeah. anybody, and they just kind of click it all together. There's quite a few parts of this movie uh, where yeah. you feel like exactly y- you've just taken a chapter out of the thing and thrown it away, or there's a novel and you decided there's a, the script didn't warrant that, but I still have to mention this. Sort of yeah, thing. yeah. And then you find out there's no novel. Well, other stuff that they just smoked the joint and <laughs> <laughs> thought it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Push all of that together and you've got your answer. So the giant head goes and lands in a little village in um, in Ireland somewhere. Yeah. And In, uh, in the uh, Eternal Enclave, where the in Eternals they refer- live. What was the name they had for it? They had the wrong name for it, as usual for this <laughs> friggin' movie. <laughs> And you can't remember it. They called it a vortex. Yeah, that's, yeah, right. that's it. It wasn't that's a right. vortex. It was not, not a vortex. No, it was a it, small village. No vortex there. <laughs> yeah, a small village protected by a force field. Yeah. Vortex is a swirly thing. Right. I know this. Yes, <laughs> and it was, knows it was this. one of many, though, wasn't it? it wasn't wasn't yeah. like there were the vor- Yes, there were lots of them. The vortex four, vortex mm. five, that's vortex right. nine. That's right. Yeah. All right, so he um, the head lands in this this thing, and he goes out and he, he walks through the flour mill. There's a flour yep. mill, and he's in the village, and nobody's there, mm. right? And it's empty; it's kind of deserted. Um, then he goes into one of the one of the houses, one of the buildings, and there's a sweet hydro setup that's happening in there. Yep. Yep. They're growing some sort of marijuana or something or other in big plastic bubbles with tubes coming out of it because it's space and in the future. Mm. And this is where we start to get this weird contrast where it's like the future, but it's a little quaint yeah. Irish village with tubes and yep. giant condoms on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... Like they've kept... <coughs> The tech for 300 years, but added one or two balloons and uh, <laughs> yeah, a space, couple of space shiny balloons. square things on the roof. I didn't mind that. No. I like that juxtaposition of old you? and new. Yeah. Okay. And I, and I thought it made sense because none of them would have known how to build. I was yeah. shocked. Like when I saw the the heads floating around, right? So there's a head flying around. Up until now, we've just seen some uh, wasteland type scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it starts to go down. 
in for a landing and then the very next thing is a big wide establishing shot of the head parked yeah, yeah. behind some English house. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You know, Dead in the corner of the screen. And it just looks yeah. like a perfectly normal house that they've someone's climbed up and put some alfoil on the roof in a couple of squares yeah. and then that's it. I was so thinking Doctor Who when I saw that. Yeah. It was just like, that's Doctor Who. All the weird stuff in the film and you're worried about an auto-parking head. <laughs> you know me, mate. <laughs> Stickler for the, for the uh, small things, the details. So he goes into a house <clears throat> which turns out to be Arthur Dishcloth's house. His and he's got this weird freak out bedroom. Arthur Frayne. Yeah, Frayne is his name. Um, and he's got this weird freak out thing with all this kind of semi quasi religious stuff and all of this sort of shrines. He's even got a shrine to Zardos set up for some reason. Yeah. Because freak out. It looks like a puppet show, like a kid's puppet show. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's It'll true. His staging rehearsal area. Mm. <clears throat> There was a rather cool shot that I liked. Did you see the the, the human progression on the wall? Ah, uh, yeah. yes, with a big question mark at the end of it. So what was the progression? Do the progression. So uh, it was kind of monkey thing, then caveman-y thing, yeah. then human-y thing. Yeah. Then dishcloth Then dishcloth head, head, and then question Then question mark. mark. Then it didn't stop there. Oh, didn't it? Because there was the skeleton in the shot, ah, and that formed the last piece of the, the puzzle. Very smart. So I thought that was, that was pretty good. Um... And anyway, um, so Zed is our exterminator hero. He finds a ring. <clears throat> he finds a ring. And what is this ring? It's it's equivalent to, a, say, a Star Trek tricorder. In you other can, words, not as good as a regular mobile phone. No, no. <laughs> you can you can ask it questions and it will uh, give you the facts and project information onto surfaces and things like that, which I thought technically as a, as a visual effect worked quite well. I thought that it was did too. Right. Yeah. He's, he's sort of swinging it around and, and the light from it is projecting onto his head yeah. and we know that it wasn't coming from the ring. So hmm. someone was timing that with a projector off to the side and there was and quite, yeah, a, lot of, I was quite a lot of progre- uh, projection stuff. And I thought in hindsight on. that they foreshadowed his um, telekinetic powers and his you know, superior brain. With the eye, the oh, third yes. eye on yes. the forehead. Yeah. I thought the spit of four. So he was shining yeah, the ring on his own face. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. They love playing with light in the in the thing. They do lots of this. Yeah, yeah. Later on. All right. So they, he has the the computer ring. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, now, can we just jump ahead to the story um, a little bit because this ring kind of is also another foreshadowing of something that they don't tell you about until the very end, and then they surprise it on you, which is the tabernacle. Yeah. All right, so two-thirds of the movie, we don't hear anything about the tabernacle, but then it turns out that the tabernacle is the most bloody important thing in the whole... It's at the centre of everything. <laughs> yeah, and nobody ever talks about it. Yeah. And then you're suddenly surprised at the end, like, where did this come from? Yeah. Anyway, um, okay, so what I've, <laughs> what I've described next is... Um, Okay, then he... Yeah, hey, the, the, yeah. Then um, the Oompa Loompas return home. <laughs> so all of the other dishcloth-wearing... Oompa Loompas. Oompa Loompas or Munchkin. Munchkins. Oompa, yes. Munchkins, perhaps. Um, return home. Um, so what happens next is that uh, Zed kind of sees those those guys and then he runs off into the forest. Right? Um, now, he also sees that there's some um, Oompa Loompa Eternals hanging around in trees. Mm. 
Why were they hanging around in trees? I never understood that. And were they still alive or were they impaled on the trees? I I th- no, I think they were the uh, apathetics. Yeah, I think they were Some the apathetics. apathetics ended up in the trees. I don't someone think someone exposed so. them up there for, as flowers, so. didn't they? No. Again, another thing never explained. So Zardos is walking along and then he sees people yeah. all standing in the trees doing nothing. Yeah. Later on... there's. I have to admit, though... That's one of the. That's another example of a many in this film where. Have you ever woke up at four in the morning and, and rages on television? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, on a Saturday morning, <laughs> you've accidentally fallen asleep and someone's left the ABC on and rage. And the stuff that they play on rage at three or four in the morning, that's this film. Yeah, right? yeah. And, like, and, or eat or those shots in this film where there's yeah. no reason at all. It's like music video stuff. It's yes, fodder, it's music video. Fodder for music video. What I think is later on they, they say is that the Eternals can't sleep because reasons and instead they meditate. Ah, oh, you think they're meditating. So they're all standing in trees meditating because freak out? I don't know. Nobody knows. All right, so they go down to – so he goes down to the lake, the lock, um, and what happens down there? He meet, We meet our first Oompa Loompa character. Yeah, who's very confusingly reflected in the water. I was thinking – is he seeing her reflected or is he... I think that was supposed to be the special effect of yeah. the vortex. That's right. I think she's in his brain. <laughs> because doesn't he shoot her? And he tries it, to, and she um, ah, overpowers right. him with her mind. Yeah, she does mind. Does one of those mind. <clears throat> so this chick turns up while he's down on the, on the thing, right? Yeah. So he's like an exterminator, so he tries to shoot her. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, she has, it, as it turns out, um, mega psychic powers and she puts a stop to all of that and he can't kill her. Yep. Which is basically what happened. The problem for me here is that they don't telegraph this very well. You you were trying to describe it. You were thinking, is there a... Yeah. Because they start doing this kind of... Mon- they're trying to do a psychic power thing. But they kind of... He's like, pulls out the gun and then there's like... Whoa, 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 whoa. And then there's a montage and then close up of a face and a shing, yeah. Yeah. face. And then you're like, okay. And then they start talking again. And you're like, what was all that? <laughs> what just happened? Yeah. A lot of the times in the movie, they don't telegraph those things. You know, if I was doing it again, you know, I'd have the gun knocked out of his hand. Mm. And then she'd be looking at the gun mm. and he'd look at her and then he'd go pick up the gun and she'd look at the gun and the gun would move and he'd chase it. And then slowly you train the audience to realise that she has psychic powers and she's in control. Because this has a big effect for me anyway when watching the movie later on. Because after this event, Zed, the exterminator, just turns into like a little purse puppy who yeah, just like walking around. Yeah. And you're like... What? Why? Just shoot these people. Just <laughs> So anyway. Yep. All right. Um, so they have a bit of a discussion here, and I've written down. Um, that w- They have a bit of a discussion. So what do they talk about? They talk about... We're talking about the girl and, and Zed, or the two girls, and Zed is on the bed. Where they got him on the bench. I can't like, remember. No, 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 we haven't got there yet. She's like the uh, scientist. No, no, we haven't got, quite got there. We're still at the lake. Okay. Um, Zardos, you know, um, Zed thinks that when people die, they go to the vortex. Oh, he does That's say right. that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and um, this um, chick, what are we going to call this chick? Um, well, she's a scientist. I can give you a name. Yeah, she's essentially a scientist, right? She, she's um, May. Yeah, okay. May, the scientist, um, wants to know how Zed got into the into the vortex. Into the vortex. Yeah. All right. 
so she wants to know and you know she's so she's asking him a bunch of questions and so that's when we hit the next story beat and this is where we go from minor freak out to kind of major freak out uh the story beat here i've got i've called this is your brain on drugs um so it starts with a quick montage of Zed killing people on the beach, and then we realise that we're in the the Sistine Chapel of Freak Out, yeah. right? Which is just this kind of weird room with people. I think sort it's of May's lab, sort of thing, isn't it? It's where she does a lot of. She's the she's the doctor, yeah. She's she's like the yeah. She and wants to study, and it's his. It's what's going on in his mind is projected on the yeah. But That's he, right. But he's not letting them see everything. They've got, he got him on the table and they're discussing stuff. Yeah. So they're essentially doing a brain scan, right? Um, and what we learn is that Zardos is making them grow wheat. There's another chick there who... Do you know what her name is? Consuela. The, 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 Consuela, name? yeah, Consuela. Played by Charlotte Charlo Rampling. Rampling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, you thinking? Yeah. Um, and what does she want? Death. She wants him destroyed. She wants him destroyed. Why does she want him destroyed? She sees him as a threat. Yeah. She sees him as a threat, exactly. Because he's like upsetting the balance. They're all nice and organized here and 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 all of that. And um and um yeah, the other chick May wants to find out about him and, and sort of psychoanalyze him and, and do all that sort of stuff. And do they do they vote at this point? Like does the no, that's a little mini society. Somehow, three weeks comes into it, where yeah. it was, they've given May three weeks to study him. Yep, yep, that, that that comes out. But there's so many of these kind of freak out scenes that go on that it's a bit hard to place them all together. Mm. All right, so um, Arthur Dishcloth has gone missing as well. Yes, and they want to know, know where he is. They want to know what happened to him. Mm. Right, um, and they kind of find out that he's be- that he's dead. Mm-hmm. We find out. Yep. And he's being reconstructed in the matrix over there. In the matrix the of the Sistine Chapel. That's the first time they mention the tabernacle. Yes. They do they mention it? They there? do. Yeah. Because they say the tabernacle has taken care of it. Yes. <sighs> right. So he's been reborn in the tabernacle, or yeah, and yeah. that's when you see him in his little um, Ziploc bag as a baby, as, as an embryo, or a yeah, as a. I kind of really wish they'd highlight these things because a lot of this stuff just flies straight past and only after watching it multiple times you get some idea of what's going on. So, okay, so we kind of finished that little crazy session and then it goes into another one. Yeah. That's exactly the same with the first one. There's so, lots right, of people it's, in that it's, it's now, There's it, lots of people. Yeah, it's a public <coughs> display of what's in his mind yeah. for the rest of the community. And this is where we meet Friend. That's where we meet Friend, yes. <laughs> played, friend. Played by uh, John Alderton. Who I like to call Discount Eric Idle. He, uh, John he Alderton had a quite a, a prolific you know, career. Prolifically in British Telecom. It, British, it, television. British Television. Yeah. Was he? Yeah. Um, yeah, he he was, was like a, a famous doctor. Sitcom. Yeah, a sitcom doctor. He played a character called... In, there, was a, there was a sitcom on ITV, which we didn't watch at the time because we didn't watch ITV because that was the commercial channel. We only watched the BBC. Of course. And he played a character called uh, A Teacher... In a series That's called right. Yes Sir. That's right. And he was the young t- student teacher in a classroom trying to manage these rowdy right. teenagers. Okay. okay. Yeah. You know. Not to be confused with, um, mind your language. 
Oh, uh, yeah, that's nice. Was that was an Australian thing, was it? No, that was an e- English uh, yeah, teacher trying yeah. to teach like, yeah. you probably the most yeah. racist show on, yeah. oh, <laughs> on television history. Well, that and Love Thy Neighbour. Yeah. And uh, are, you, uh, are You Being Served, of course. And, uh, but he very, very, hot. very famous John, John uh, Alderton, though, on British television. Yeah, yes. He did a lot of drama and comedy. Yep. Yep. Yeah, he's pretty good. I mean, he, he held his own on yeah, the, yeah. in the film. Yeah. Without him, what, this film would have been <laughs> practically unwatchable. I thought Charlotte Rampling was all right, innit? Oh, she was good. The, the, the little the May was annoying, but yeah, Charlotte Yeah, Rampling. May was annoying. I called the other that other chick just boring. She's just this boring, grumpy woman who was just grumpy all the damn she be, time. Who became really hostile and angry later on. She just wanted yeah. to smash everything up. And she was, uh, and, and even had a torch, like even. Had yeah, no, pitch, she was just missing a pitchfork. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. Kill the beast, kill the I beast, think, destroy everything. She was setting fire to everything. Yeah, they were setting fire to her. Well, I don't understand what was going on there. Why would this be set fire to all I think houses? it was explained. I think there was a throwaway comment in there that they have lost their innocence or something. Something happened as a result of Sean Connery's character being there. Something happened... Um, and that's what it facilitated them all to go, go nuts and crazy. And I think it was when he... No, it had happened before that. I was going to say when he woke up the the um, who the daydreamers again. I don't know. The apathetics. Apathetics. Remember, he woke them up yeah. because yeah. they they were drinking his life juice or whatever, and they all <laughs> his sweat juice. But they all. But the other mob went nuts before that. Yeah, before that. Um, what made them go nuts? It's it's because he refused to be exterminated. That's right. And and they took out friend like oh, they took out friend. Right. Yeah, he ran off. What what, what happened was. There was something with her, him and May, wasn't there? Yeah. She uh, ended up underneath right. that blanket. She came yeah. in and discovered them. And yeah, and she thought they were, they were, you know, that's right. but they weren't. Yeah. They were just having some sort of deep, meaningful mm-hmm. philosophical mm-hmm. discussion underneath the blanket. The, mm-hmm. the, yeah. And that's what triggered the whole, maybe maybe it was jealousy. Cause, you know, I think it was jealousy. Yeah, because Swedo obviously fancied him. Yeah. And he obviously fancied him. And she thought she'd been... As we discover yeah. in the end. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah, I don't remember why they ended up under the blanket now. Well, she was already under the blanket of truth. Yeah, that's she right. was. Uh, yeah, yeah. He'd been to see the old, the old dudes, and the scene yeah. dudes, and then he went back to her. Yeah, and she and wanted she to get chilling. more out of him. She's so yeah. just chilling under a blanket. Yeah, because yeah. up until then he had been blocking out a lot of the yeah. attempts to get into his brain. That's right, and that's when she found out about the book. That's, that's the whole right. sequence with the book. The whole sequence yeah. with the book. And, and he said, "I've lost my innocence," and she yeah. found out it was because he learned to read. And so, so let's yeah. we've brought it up, the book. Okay. How how pivotal is this book? How much of a turning point? How did you feel when you when you when the book was revealed to you? So let, let's reveal the the thing first. <laughs> is Zardoz is short for the Wizard of Oz? Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Zardoz. Oz. And mainly because <clears throat> it's the same story as Wizard of Oz in that there's a really little wee guy behind a big mask machine with a big booming voice that is ruling a whole bunch of weaker people pretending to be a god. So if you put it into context, mm. Arthur Dishtowl yes. said, you know, to himself, he oh, I have, to, I have to, you know, uh, manipulate all of these people genetically so that we can repopulate the earth or something or other and, ooh, I've got a genius idea. Yeah. I'm going to pretend to be the Wizard of Oz. That's right. And make a giant floating head. And Which he tells you in the first minute of the movie yeah that he's a, a magician <clears throat> yes that's what he says in a god and he says all of those type of things 
Yes. Interesting, he's the God. one who tips Zed off that he is the Wizard of Oz, though. Because mm. mm. there's no way Zed would have worked it out unless he told him that he was the Wizard of Oz. So he, he teaches the, Zed to read. He teaches and, him yeah. and he shows yeah. him the book and he yeah. leads him down that I got road. the impression, though, that Zed then just went and read the whole damn library. I think he read the library first and then got to the book that he was holding up last. Like, that was out of sequence. And then it twigged in his brain. Because he got cranky and started ripping pages out because he realised yeah, that his that. life was, was all just a And not only charade. his life, but his father's life. Yeah. Because it had been generations under Zardoz. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and what they'd become as a result of mm. what Zardoz was telling them to do. So continuing on with our story, if we can leap back a little bit, um, they um, finish this little sequence and um, this is where they do the psychic vote and they, they want to kill him but they want to you know they want to study him so they give him three weeks. Mm-hmm. He's got three weeks to live so they're going to study him for three weeks and then, then that's over. Uh, then the next sequence they go is uh, that I've got here is Life as an Oompa Loompa. Um, and this is one of the first the first sequences where um, Discount Eric Idle mm-hmm. takes Zed out of his cage or whatever, and then starts harassing him with his psychic powers. Yeah, and it's like, why couldn't you have put that in earlier so yeah. that everybody knew that knew who's boss in this, who's wearing the loincloth in this relationship? Mm. And so uh, Sean Connery's character or Zed is becomes a pack horse. Yes, uh, to help friend. Budget Eric Idle to deliver green bread because of sci-fi. Because space freak out <laughs> is the future. <laughs> um, to all of the uh, people within the community, including we get introduced to the apathetics. Yes. So who are the apathetics? Describe. So they're going on a bread run. Essentially, they're taking bread to. Yep. I don't know. There's lots of little villages in the vortex. There's, there's something. The, um, there's the old people who, maybe going who have been punished over time, and in this world. Punishment comes in the form of adding age. Because you can't be killed, you can't die. You can just be made old. So they make you just lame and old. Um, The apathetics are that way because... The eternals, it's like a a disease, Uh, and he mentions it spreading from vortex to... That's right. Vortex, and that uh, more and more people are becoming apathetics where they're just basically catatonic. Tonic, really. Yeah, yeah. They're just and bored. Yeah, yeah. Bored, bored to death. They can't die. <laughs> yes. And what's one of the reasons Zardoz um, starts getting the people to make grain is because they no longer have enough workers to That's create right. food yeah. because they still have to feed the apathetics, yeah. but yeah. they... The apathetics don't actually work. Mm. That's right. And so that's why he's doing the bread run and he's like chucking bread at him and, and stuff. While he's down in the village throwing bread around, um, one of... At this moment point out that it's the future and they have incredibly complicated machines that can fly and yet they can only make... <laughs> a ritual. They can only make a ritual and they can't make their own... They can't grow grain. And even the, the bread help. comes out of some special... Yeah. Yes, machine. yes. So they're pounding the dough. They've got a big mill grinding the bread. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. You know, yeah. And then it's like Scotty yeah. with the... Yeah. You know, Telepathic powers. Yeah. This, this, there's a bit of a plot hole there. Yeah. This is, yeah, there's strange things. All right, so while they're down there feeding the apathetics, um, there's another sort of a plot story going on in the background. There's always about a million of these. And that's one of the, um, the other Eternals... He's getting in a bit of trouble with his friends. Oh, yeah, that's, that's George the Critic. Right. Right. And, um, you know, he's been having wrong thoughts 
because they're all psychic. They're all like in tune with his, and he's yeah. trying to defend himself. And yeah. he, he's saying, um, he says here, I was imperfectly repaired, and that, that's why he's not no, thinking correctly. Oh, no, that's a lie. <laughs> yeah, that he, no, that's <laughs> a lie. It knows that everyone can see straight into. Yeah, his yeah. And he says, no, no, no. Actually, I hate all of you bastards. <laughs> he says that next time, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. In the first one, he, he's still he's still trying to defend himself. And she looks at the screen and. Maze looks like he's lying. Yeah. And he does point out that he was um, providing constructive criticism. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He's trying to. A bit like you. Yeah, a bit like me. A bit like me in class. Yeah. I'm guilty of. Was it psychic violence? Was he guilty of? That was a crime, wasn't it? Psychic violence? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I did bring someone to tears this afternoon, so maybe that was me. It's uh, both of us in one week. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're on a roll. <laughs> It's just shop keep of horrors. Pushing, keep pushing the envelope, guys. <laughs> keep pushing the envelope. We're going to have three students in tears by next week. Yeah. All right, so they sentence him to get extra five years of age or something or other. And, the, and so he's going to become one of the renegades. We meet the renegades, which are just all the old people. We meet the apathetics, which are just all of the bored people. Um, and then the next section uh, we're going to have to discuss, possibly in some, uh, in some rigid detail... And I've entitled it Red Pill or The Little Blue Pill. It's the wrong film, Dan. <laughs> and if anyone's feeling a bit confused or, or sort of, you know, has the what the fuck going on in their head, <laughs> now you know exactly what it feels like to watch this film. Absolutely. Absolutely. In That's fact, we're of- saving you a whole lot of confusion. <laughs> We probably make more sense. <laughs> so uh, there's another quick sequence where they're going to go for another scientific freak out, which is, you know, becoming a bit of a theme. So they get everybody in the room. They get uh, good old uh, Zed to be under some sort of hypnotic spell. That's right. And then the boring woman um, is going to give us a bit of a lecture mm. about... About why we should kill him and uh, at the heart of it all is, is erections. Yes. Ah, oh, that's because right. Because yes. she includes motion graphics in her presentation yes, and everything. She does, in fact, yes. Is this a sexual part? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, she, she, she tries, get, tries she to state to her case. She can't. Yes. Yes, yes. because the, the current... Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, the current yeah. patch... <laughs> That's right. The current That's patch of Eternals, yeah. the, the, the male ones, mm. you know, they're a bit... Uh, they're a bit uh, limp and floppy. That's it. In that they don't department. need to have children anymore, and and um, they lost their their requirement for procreation. And they can't understand what sort of stimulus yeah. causes erections. Yeah. Yes. So they test, and it starts out with a woman in a in a shower. <laughs> yes. No good. No good. Um, couple of, couple of girls mud having wrestling. a bit of a wrestle in the yes. mud. Interesting <laughs> choice, wasn't it? <laughs> no good, no good. And then we find that the only thing that uh, seems to be doing the job is the woman giving the presentation. Yeah, yes, and that's where the conflict I think starts. So I think the real conflict with her. Um, that connection which causes the jealousy later on starts yeah. in that. In and that I place. think this also foreshadows Zed's mind over matter mm. powers mm. that he has. He can, tr- can control yep. everything, including his own. Well, a man that can control his own penis really is pretty slow. <laughs> yeah. And deserves to be worshipped. On a new yeah. level. It's Sean Connery. That's, that's yeah. Double O seven. All right. So um, <laughs> once we get through that, uh, that scene... Um, what happens next? We go um, 
I don't know because I was so amazed at this long scene where they discuss this, erections. There were some very and, long scenes in this movie. And the yeah. mystery of the erection and the way she yeah. speaks about it. That was one of the things. Oh, yeah, I got, sorry. Yeah. That I think I missed the next five minutes because I was just <laughs> thinking that I just watch 15 minutes of people discussing yeah. erection. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is that the very next scene, we go into another Sistine Chapel science freakout show. Which is exactly the same as the other one we did, and the one we did before, yeah. and the other one. Yeah. And and Tony, you you can't remember. I had to write it down. This what is where. It? What what actually happens is that there's there's another shot of the the horses and the killing with the horses on the beach, and then a narrator comes in. Yeah. Which turns out to be the tabernacle talking in the Sistine Chapel of Science, mm-hmm. and um, then they're talking about. Um, uh, interrogating Zed, um, and then they start talking about su- how he's a superior genetic human. Oh, yeah. um, they show his genetic make- makeup, which looks like plankton, basically. Yeah, and then they want to keep him. You know, they they sort of reinforce that they're going to keep him alive for only three weeks, and then he's then he's going. So they do another one of these freaking sucky <laughs> freak out things again. Um, and then we go into the next one, which I've which I've entitled "Brains for Lunch." Oh yeah. All right, so. Um, so I think, I mean, I, I think what the director was trying to do here, through flashbacks, he was trying to fill us in as to how Zed ended up in the head. But those flashbacks are just so muddled and so yeah. difficult to comprehend. And they really, and it's just the same shots. There's, well, there's slightly different shots each time. Mm. You're right. But unfortunately, you never really get a sense of any sort of progression. If you're going to do back flashbacks, I think you've got to be pretty careful how you do the flashbacks. Otherwise, it just becomes this muddled mess, and it does indeed become just a muddled mess. Yeah. And the library I think that's what the director was trying to do. Me- I couldn't fit the library into the timeline. Like, I wasn't sure when that happened. The, the library happened, I think, shortly before. Well, it was over a period of months he must have learned to read. And then that shortly that was when he, he must have told his mates and they all decided to find out what this was all about. Or what to hide him in, going. in yeah. the grain. They all, they all cooperate. And we see that they all cooperate because mm. when he gets out, he goes up to, to the edge of the... Uh, they're, they're waiting for him. Yeah, and sent signals to them. So obviously there was a mm. fatty. Well, they covered him with the grain. Mm. Yeah, in the in the head. The next scene I've called brains for lunch, mm. and that's where they're all sitting around having lunch. Yep. All the Eternals being served by Zed. Being served by Zed, which <coughs> is a problem for Consuela. <coughs> she's not happy with that. Yeah, she's still annoyed, and she wants to basically kill Zed. Yep. Right. Um, but discount Eric Idle. He just loses his shit. Yeah. Right? So what happens is a character that we've never heard of and don't know the name of and have never been introduced suddenly explains to us that Zed is the chosen one. The freaking chosen one. Turns up in every damn movie. (laughs) He's the chosen one and everybody has to meditate on how friggin' awesome he is and how cool. Level two. Level two. Level level one wasn't good enough. They had to go to level two. Level two. Where they meditate as a hive mind. That's when friend blows his shit. Jazz hands. That's right. You're going to have jazz hands. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they're doing all that. Well, Eric, budget Eric Idle, he wouldn't. He would, didn't want to be part of level yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. So they decided He's, to destroy his yeah, brain. So they, just, <laughs> they, they took level two and focused it solely on, on Eric Idle's brain. They jazz hand. Yeah. And he was just a drooling mess laying on the table. That's what happens if 20 people point their jazz hands at you. 
It's deadly, man. It's deadly. <laughs> well, they vote, they, didn't they start voting first? And this yeah, they did. Whether they, they did yeah. one of their random. And I thought there votes. was yay or nay, but it's not. It, it looked like they all had their own personal then, personal yay or nay. And then there was no actual conclusion to that. No, they were going to give him another seven oh, days seven to leave. And then they, seven, they, so. no, they, gonna, then they meditated in level two. Did you notice anything strange about the? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I shouldn't. I shouldn't preface my sentence with that with this film, should I? Wow! The the extras. I was watching this movie and I remember thinking to myself, "There's something about the extras in this film." Yes, it's a weird film, but normally extras are wannabe actors, you know, and they sort of understand how to take direction and know where to, what to do. It's it's not easy to stand in the background and not draw attention, but yet not look like a wallflower. You know, you got to have a purpose. Um, I read in the trivia notes they're all tourists. <laughs> they were they were touring <laughs> Ireland, and the reason Bo- um, Borman is it Borman, yeah, Bo- Borman, Borman put them in the film is that they they're they cheap. look like outside people. They look like people that enjoyed being outside a lot. Uh-huh. What? Because they're tourists, right? You're out walking around a lot, right? <laughs> so that's his logic. <laughs> All of the extras, <laughs> right? Yeah, okay. Are tourists. They're, they're quite literally American and Aussies and whatever that were in Ireland on tour. Wow. He was pulling them off a bus. Now, obviously, you don't have to pay them either. Nah. <laughs> that's almost as good as uh, I met a taxi driver in Brisbane who had been an extra in Spartacus. In fact, he was the first one to die. The original Spartacus or the TV show? The original one. Holy shit. He had been in a, a refugee camp in, I forgot what, an Italian island. And the producers um, with uh, Kurt Douglas rocked in and said, who wants to be in a film? Wow. And get a bit of, you know, a, a token amount of money. And they, and they used to get picked up in the morning cool. and, and taken. He would have been crazy old. Yeah, he was. He was a, a cab driver, and uh, he'd been a, a young man. That's all. Awesome. And he'd bumped into Kirk Douglas years later, yeah. and said, "Do you remember me?" And obviously, Kirk Douglas <laughs> looked at him and said, "I died for you." Yeah, that's <laughs> because, awesome. Because he was the f- f- first guy to die in the big battle. Oh yeah, apparently. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you that's go. cool. Tangent. All right then. So. Um, Zed then has a bit of a freak out and he runs off into the bush and he runs up up into the hills yeah. where he goes up to the... The plastic barrier. The, 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 the psychic force field. Yeah. The so, memorial muscle muscle moment. <laughs> yes, yeah. where he does his own. For some reason he felt that the need to squash his f- <laughs> face on it. You know, like you can you get this, but the fact that he squashed <laughs> his whole face on it was... I was going to bring that up as well. So let's just, just imagine that you're feeling something yeah. that's invisible as a force field. You put one hand on, you put the other hand on, and then you decide to squash your face <laughs> and cheek and nose up against it. <laughs> Like it, like a solution might present Force itself. Field confirmed. <laughs> not until the not until the nose squashes up yeah. against your cheek. I need three okay, points yeah, of now, reference here. Now it's a force field because there might be a hole between the two hands. You that's know, right. that's yeah. right. That's right. Got it. Yeah, be thorough. <laughs> yes, but All he right. sees his mates. Yeah, he? right. And he starts doing up the, on the hill. Of he starts voguing to that's his right. mates. He's got, his, he's got his own hand <laughs> signals. So yeah, there's something going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they've worked this out beforehand, you know, and so they've been waiting for the signal. Um, I mean, he's frustrated because the shield's still up and they can't mm. ride in. There's a bit of a plot hole. The, or did the shield come down when they all 
went a bit nuts. Were they creating the force? He destroyed the tabernacle. The shield was to come down. Okay. It's like with anything in sci-fi. If you destroy the 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 screen, yeah. the internet gets blown up. Yeah. So yeah. as yeah, we saw in Flash Gordon and all those other movies. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next um, story story point is old farts. That's right. So um, discount Eric Idle has been um, condemned to be an old blithering idiot now. And but why did only half his face? Yeah, I saw that as done. well. Because everyone else they aged like, half half of his face. Yeah, did the is that because he was lying on the ground? He was lying on his face when they were spirit hands at him. Were they yeah. aging him when they were doing this? Maybe. Tony, For some reason, Tony, do you know? Tony knows. <laughs> I, yeah. thought, I thought he was supposed to look as if he'd had a stroke. That's what I thought. I thought, you know, he's supposed to look as if... But, I mean, half of his hair was grey hair and half of it yeah. wasn't as grey hair. Yeah, he had a lot of wrinkles and everything on one side. I thought he had half aged on one side Maybe. of his melon. Right. Okay, so another thing that doesn't make any sense. Um, so they talk to Discount Eric Idle, and what does Discount Eric Idle want? Death. He wants to die, and he wants the whole human race to die as well because yeah. he figures that's probably the best course of action. And that's where we're introduced to this notion that the one thing that eludes them is death and that immortality is causing the decay and the probably the... Ap- it's not all that it's cracked up to be. No, and maybe the apathetics is all, has got something to do with that. Yeah, as well. yeah, the apathetics, they're just bored. Yeah. Just like, yeah. yeah, got nothing else to do. Yeah. Um, so he says to the rest of the old farts, who he refers to as the old farts, that... Zed is Im- is mortal. Yes. And so what they what do they immediately want to do? Breed. Kill him. Oh. <laughs> no, no, it's a worthy guess because either could have been true in this movie. Either could have yeah. been true. Yeah. Um, they want to kill him. Why? We don't know. But do they want to kill him or do they, do they want him to kill them? No, they want to kill him. That's right, they do too. Because he's immortal. I don't know, they wanted to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> So he got jumped by about 20, 20 old, old people. people. So they run around the thing for wasting all of our time until he picks up a crutch and says, Rah! That's right. And stop. They, and yeah. So they stop. And then they stop. And then he goes back to talking to discount Eric Idle again. Does he talk to the old boy that's lying in the bed yet? Is that in that sequence? Um, Who we find out is the creator yes, yes, yes. of the tech? Yes. So again, I wonder why do we have to have yeah, the old people? We, didn't, we, we don't didn't need, need all of that. We can just talk with Eric Idle and then go. Yeah. So then we go and talk with... Um, um, with one of the old guys, and he's the one who's the the inventor of immortality, and you know, and um, we also find out that um, those old people are the first generation, mm. and the current Eternals are their kids, yeah. and that's the the kind of progression. The um, old people are the scientists who made the uh, technology which supports. Mm. What they're doing, built the tabernacle basically. Then how come they all got old though? Like well, they, they, co- they couldn't hack it basically. They couldn't cope with immortality, and they went mad. I thought that they, they they ultimately got punished by, by the their, kids. By their kids. That's what I thought too. But they would but have I'm been punished. Guessing. But they would have been punished for something, yeah, and it would have been the act, the activity that Tony's talking about, yeah. and they punished them for it yeah. probably because they got bored and they did silly things and whatever. All right, so they're talking about the tabernacle, um, and then we go into... um So Zed realises that the key to everything is the tabernacle at that point. And I've got a question here. Mm -hmm. How come none of the Eternals are like teenagers or... 
Like, why do they all get sort of in their 20s and mm. 30s and 440s? Why didn't they remain as they were? Can you choose when to stop ageing? I think with this film, uh, Rick, questions like that... Have you, no place. You can, well, no, you can answer them in, in <laughs> however you want, and you'll be right. <laughs> I suspect you're right. Because <laughs> I've been turning to Tony, and when I see confusion on Tony's eye, in Tony's eyes, I know that there is no answer to the question you've just asked. I so then we go for yet another, <laughs> we go for another uh, memory freakout, and this is where we hit, find out the tale about uh, Zed losing his innocence and yes. finding the Wizard of Oz. So once he finds out about the tabernacle, he goes back and finds um, May underneath the, the blanket of She's, truth, <laughs> yes. the, the robe of truth, and um, he sticks his head under there as well. That's right. And upsets the apple cart, and they find out about the stuff, the tabernacle, and and what has to go on, yep. and. Anyway, then there's a bit of a fight, right, which we've already discussed, which is between May and the boring woman. Yep. And the end result of that is what? The Eternals go on a bloody rampage to try find... Well, that's what the, the, the Eternals kind of want to start killing. Yep. They want to become, become kind of killers, but they make Zed blind. Ah, that's right. That's right, yes. That's right. They make him blind. Because... May sort of rescues him. Yeah. May sort of rescues him. But he's kind of fighting back yeah. at this stage, right? So the boring woman, they're having this sort of psychic duel, but it's not working like it was before, and Zed's kind of getting the upper hand somehow. Yeah. Um, and then they... Now, this is very important. This is very important for our discussion, because he goes blind. Yes. And they say he's blind. And he walks around banging into things because he's blind. <laughs> what is the very next scene? He's inside the greenhouse. Very good. With May. It's not May. It's, it's not May. Oh, it's, no, it's not it's May. It's the, the singer. It's the unnamed wise woman who we've wise never woman. met and who never sings. been introduced before. But she sings all the time. Yes, she is, sings is, all the time. Isn't she the one who says that he's the chosen one? Yes. Yes. She's the one who thinks yes. he's the chosen one. And he must repay her kindness later on by killing her. That's right. That's right, yeah. So, And she slips him a leaf that he's going to know when he needs it. A leaf like like Frodo's given a leaf Mm. to chew on in in Mordor. Right. To restore him. And I think it also happens in Harry Potter as well. Somebody gets a leaf at some point which they can chew on to get that. (laughs) You always have to chew some good leaf. (laughs) (laughs) So they're in the the hydroponics thing where they're growing their their, their sweet leaf. And he gets attacked by everyone. Okay, no, no, we've got to go very slowly here. We must go very, very slowly. Okay. Do you remember how we said he was blind? Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's not anymore. No, that's what she. That's what she was fixing in the in the hydroponics. Yeah, and thing. that's why he's holding onto the branches and leaning yeah. onto the branches of this tree. She's doing something to alleviate his blindness. You're making that up. No, no, it's no, true. No, You're true. making that up. No, no, it's true. Did you, you reckon watch? that? He, I remember she was thinking you got rid of your blindness quickly. Right, yeah. but she—that was what she was doing. I think she rubbed stuff in his eyes. I think so too. I think she rubbed that leafy thing that she gave him to hold on to. She had one of those, and she was smushing it in his eyes like that. Okay, I don't believe you. <laughs> Did you watch the film, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I went blind at about this stage in the movie, and I'm like, oh my god. When? 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 I don't. Know, maybe. We've- this bit still to come, but it's quite important. This is a sequence where they show somebody, one with their face, the forehead slit open, dropping a crystal in there. Yeah, yeah that comes up a little bit later. It does come a little bit yeah. later. Yeah, Okay. All right, so anyway, I, I, I didn't pick up that she was curing yeah. his blindness. Yeah. 
And again, you think about the writing. They made him blind, and then the next scene they cure his yeah, blindness. And the blindness didn't do anything to And the for blindness the, for the story didn't do a damn thing. No. And this is going to come up later again. I'm going to bring fact, this up it later problems again. problems because he's blind, yet he escaped May and Consuela. Yeah. So, so wouldn't he have been better to not be blind to be able to escape? So by banking him blind for no reason at all, they actually made their life harder yeah, in the yeah. story I'm, to I'm get ass- him into the greenhouse. I'm assuming there's a whole bunch of scenes on the cutting floor. Yes. Between that's for those two scenes. I don't know if they've ever made of the cutting floor. They're the swirling around floor. in Borman's <laughs> hand and he's like, yeah, man, I got this all worked yeah, out. Yeah, I got yeah. this all worked it's out. It's all going to come yeah. together. They're going to come together. They're written <laughs> on the back of a, Film that a napkin tree. somewhere. <laughs> Take a picture of You're that, there, that the water. pink shirt, the green shirt, the blue shirt. You I'm standing in that tree. <laughs> yeah. I got it. <laughs> and for the next two days, call me Gary. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he gets jumped in the greenhouse, right? Right. Now, this and is where we're going to get slowly. This is, yes, you're right. Right. And then everyone says, it's okay, he won't break out. And then he breaks out through the through the plastic. Because they crushed the Ziploc bag around him. <laughs> And what which, the which is fuck supposed is to going on? <laughs> and then he's able to punch through the Ziploc yeah. bag. Yeah, that's right. So hang on, we just need that's to rewind. Right. We're just going to fill in this perfectly. He's in a plastic hydroponics bubble with a wise woman. Yes. Who cures his blindness and gives him a magic leaf. Yes. And then a bunch of people outside the plastic bag want to kill him. Through the bag. Through the bag. That can't be broken. That can't be broken. <laughs> Then he breaks it. And then he breaks and he it. escapes. And what happened to the wise woman? Why isn't she in there trapped? <laughs> she, for all we know, she's still... No, we do know. She she gets wasted later on. But, um, yes, she may have been there for hours trapped in the bag. <laughs> but is now crushed maybe on the ground. She is. Or maybe osmosis. Because there's more Eternals on the outside of the plastic, <laughs> just like osmosis, yeah. she has to join with... But we never, we never really know who she is, do we, or what she's all about. Doesn't get explained, does it? All right, then. So Zed busts out of the bag and then he goes off on a run. Yep. And being, he's now chased. He's chased. By the villagers with pitchforks and yes, torches. Yes, and, and they're all on horses. And, and I suppose it's supposed them. to show that they have now become the brutals. Yeah. They Perhaps. become like the people that they, you know, yeah. are supposed to be above. Yeah. But how or why they became like that? I, I think they blindly le- led by Consuela, who was just a jealous mole who who <coughs> got her nose bent out of joint because she found him <laughs> under the blanket of truth with May having a cuddle. Uh, I think you got it sounds it. weird, but I think I've just described exactly what happened in the film. Everything, everything you say is truth. <laughs> All right, so they're running now. I want to I want to insert the word tension into our upcoming discussion because he's being chased. Yes, so. We as directors and story builders and whatever, we want to start building up the tension. So he's being chased up and down and left and right. And then he ends up in a little alcove hiding yeah. in a building. Yeah. And what happens next? There's a bunch of creepy people moving towards him at really the slow apathetics. pace. <laughs> the apathetics. He, he, he stirs yeah. the apathetics. It's like every time he turns around, they're about half an inch yeah. closer to him. And so he ignores them again and looks to the people. And they somehow drawn him. And then and one a little of them closer again. One touches him. Yeah. And then takes a bead of sweat. Her finger. And then they pass the sweat on, and then they pass it. And it's the best case of yeah. Jimmy germs. I remember <laughs> saying. And so tension gone. No tension anymore. And then uh, Consuela turns up. No, on. no. Wait, wait, wait. They start snogging each other, yeah. and they're sharing his life juice. And then they start snogging him. 
Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. And he starts yes. snogging them. That's where he slipped back into James Bond really quickly, didn't he? <laughs> and then he starts weakening. And that's when I thought... It's like they are absorbing yeah. his life juices. Yeah. And then he has to eat his leaf. That's right. To recover. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the, and other, and the person that gave him the leaf said, you will know thought, when. Oh, it's going to turn into a bit of an orgy. Yeah. Don't you a bit more dexter? <laughs> yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so the, the girl he left wrapped in the plastic knew that that was going to happen because when she gave him the leaf, she said, you'll know when you need to use this. It would have been good if she had have said that this is the leaf of yeah. life-boosting superpower yeah. Yeah. or something rather than this is just a handy leaf to eat when you need it. Or even said, I've seen it in a vision or something, you know, instead of take this leaf. I think it, it, in the great ex- context of this movie, that's a very small point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's like <laughs> the leaf. That's like worrying about, you know, the... Calorie arrangement on on the Titanic, really. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So they they they're sucking the life juices out of him. Oh, man, I was just thinking about this movie from the point of view of tension that he's being chased by people mm. and there's great danger. Yeah. And then he's snogging yeah. people and That's falling asleep. James Bond. That's what. It yeah. Is. But tension requires things to be in a certain order, and this yeah. film's not very good at putting things. <laughs> yeah. In a specific. I was order. thinking like. Die Hard. Imagine Die Hard when he's at the top of Nakatomi building and he's he's shooting the Germans and he's running the glass and he's smashing everywhere and there's that whoosh comes to the exploding um, blinding grenade thing and he dives into a room and there's a chick in there and she says, you want to have a kiss? And he says, yeah, all right. (laughs) That doesn't happen in Die Hard. No, no. No, you're right. It's it's effectively letting all the air out out of the balloon. Okay. So, but anyway, she picks the tension back up by thundering into that room where they're all snogging on horseback, mm-hmm. with uh, having set fire to the rest of the village for some reason. Like it wasn't his village. Yeah, yeah. Right, it was their village, yeah. and they set fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm angry and upset, and I'm going to set. The- yeah. It's like the Simpsons or yeah. something or other. The Simpsons would do that, yeah. and he takes off again. So, the, so the, the the game is afoot once once more. And he kind of hides in the forest, and then suddenly it's night. Yeah. All right. Doesn't he um, go back up to the edge to communicate with his mates again? Yeah, he does. I think he does. He might have done more, which makes no real sense. Anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right. So then, what happens is it's night time, and you know, every chaos and pandemonium. Some of the apathetics are, have now got a spark of life, and they're snogging and doing all sorts of crazy things, and all of the old farts are going around and being a bit crazy. And then something very. You know, Using the word strange is, of course, you know, yeah. it's just the word. It's strange. lost all its meaning. It's, it's all point. used up. Yeah. But something happens. Something happens here. And he says to the old farts, particularly discount Eric Idle, that he needs them to take him yeah. to the other Eternals. He's going to have a, he wants to have a meeting with them. Yeah. And how is that achieved? Well, first he needs, he says to the old farts, take me to friend. To friend. So they, they dress him up as a bride. Yes, yes. Which apparently that. Sean Connery was not very happy with. Out of all the stuff they got him to do in this film, that was the one thing he really put the foot down and said, I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> Why didn't they <laughs> just hide doesn't. him in a sack or something? Could put him in anything. So, but they put him in a lacy bride outfit with a veil and everything. And um, not that there was an abundance of brides, so he would have stuck out in, yeah. in, in, in the crowd. But they take him to friend. I want to give you my Die Hard 2.0. Let's imagine that um, Bruce Willis has just slid into that room and there's a chick in there. He starts snogging with that chick. And then he says, I've got to go and find my wife. 
got to go and find my wife. And, and she says, but there's loads of Germans out there. They're, they're. And he says, all right, I'm going to need a disguise. So Bruce Willis puts on a wig and some fake lipstick and a mini skirt and fake <laughs> boobs. And then he goes out of the doorway and he looks up and down the hot corridor. And then he tiptoes down the corridor and then he goes into a lift and he looks and he looks and he goes down the lift and he comes open, the lift ding opens and he looks and nobody's there and then he sees his wife and he goes in to see his wife and he sits down and he says, ah, hi honey. What point was there of him getting dressed up in drag? Yeah. That's exactly what happens in Absolutely. this movie. They get him dressed up in drag Absolutely. for no reason at all. You should at least have the bad guys turn up and say, who's that? And yeah. he says, oh, it's just me, an when old they unveil him, <laughs> When they unveil him, he's surrounded by the people he's supposed to be hiding from. Like they're just walking past, like he's invisible or something. So they, they don't make anything no. of it? No. So do you think they were just malicious one day? Do you think we can get Sean Connery in a dress? <laughs> He's in budgie smugglers right now. Could be. <laughs> or, or maybe he was so pissed off they were afraid to look at him. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> All right. Um, so everything's going crazy. Um, and um, then we're going to uh, go into the... Um, uh, the tabernacle destruction, right? So the, the tabernacle's like the Matrix. We slowly find out that it's like the internet. Or yeah, the something inter- I mean, it, to the film's credit, they sort of they talk about it being a, a, a computer made out of light, mm. which is a pretty interesting idea. And there was, there was some talk about making computers out of light to, to sort of get around the problems of transistors. Yeah, I thought so, that there was some pretty futuristic yeah. concepts thrown around in that film about yeah. storage, mem- yeah. you know, yeah. memory storage, and... Um, and he, you know, Sean Connery's character said he's just saying about lasers and frequencies mm. and stuff and he's describing how the tabernacle works, how it's probably inside a crystal. Oh. So what about the... When you see the thing that is important in the crystal or later on it becomes the, the, the ball, you will know what you have to do or you'll know what it's all about. Remember? Yeah. It's another weird... Did you make any sense of that? No, it's another no, weird neither. thing where they have a crystal that's something to do with the tabernacle mm. and then he goes off and he meets Arthur Dishcloth again yeah. Yeah. who gives him a crystal ball yeah. that's also something to do with the tabernacle and both of them are something and they're different and they're the same yeah. and they're both helpful and there's yeah. two things and they're the same thing and why don't you just have one thing? Yeah. And then he works it all out. Yeah. So that's my best explanation of it. What you need to find is in the in the thing, and, and I I never worked out what and, and that's what they were talking about because it has all those various surfaces, which means the light is reflected over and over and over and over and over again. And so, and I, I did figure out why that was important somehow, mm. but I've forgotten. Was Arthur never dead? No, no, he was re- he was killed. So when they're reborn, they they. They go to the age they were when they died. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> I, I guess so. Because I've got a feeling. Though. Didn't he say something like, "I've been pulling the strings the whole time"? I like everything has yeah, happened I, because I've made it happen. Yeah, but I, I think was he referring I think he did. to? I think he did. What he was doing out in the yeah, wasteland. Yeah. <clears throat> um, all right. So, part of what they've said to um, Zed is that you have to look into the crystal, and the crystal will look into you, and and all of this sort of stuff. And so then he ends up in the crystal, yeah, right? That's, I didn't understand that bit. Yeah. How does no. he get into that little tiny crystal? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's he's tiny. Exactly. He's a big guy. It's a very small rock. <laughs> very small crystal. Yeah. I kind of assume it must have been sort of some sort of. He didn't literally go into it. He psych- psychically went into he's, it. His yeah. mind went into it. Yeah. 
because what what does he do in the inside the crystal? Runs, runs around in a circle a lot. He runs around in a circle a lot, and there's loads of mirrors in the crystal. Lots of mirrors. Lots of mirrors. It looks like it looked like um, Enter the Dragon. <laughs> I know. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then, or, or the James Bond with the Scaramanga. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. And then he fires into a reflection of himself. That's right. right. Which bleeds. That's right. Which he's killing off himself. The the um, Tabernacle's version of him. Uh-huh. The version, and he finds the weakness. He finds the the way out. Yes, and that essentially kills the tabernacle. Mm, yeah. Tabernacle helpfully says, "I've been you've yeah. found our weakness, and you've destroyed us." Yeah. Okay, so that uh, apparently would switch off everything. From everything. everything turns off the magic gate, the magic the shield. Um, therefore, the. The loonies run the in. Loonies come streaming in with their guns and their red undies. And they kill everybody. Mm-hmm. And um, well, does it, there was a little bit before that where he, he turns back time. <laughs> yes, that's right. They, that. they put everything in this movie, didn't they? Psychic powers and yeah. turn back time and prophecy of the future and the chosen oh, and, one. And also, there's this little bit where Charlotte Rampling's character, Constantine. Constant Consuela. Consuela. She comes up behind him with a knife. That's right. And he's just sitting there reading, and he presumably knows she's there. Yeah. He's superhuman. And she's like, you know, Yeah, yeah. And he even says, "You can't do it, can you?" She said, "You're the only one who showed kindness to me, or something." There was another part in it as well. Yeah, and, the, and she never did. They gave of, yeah. all their powers to Zed as well. That's right. You know, the, another bit. There's a light, flashy yeah. sequence. Because there's it. one sequence there where he says, "Get into my aura." And walk walk inside my aura, and you will be safe. <laughs> yeah. So they all jump in behind him, and he can and he walk through. Back time. Yeah, and he, he can, can turn, turn back, back time. time. That's right. That's right. People we'll find a way. Everything goes in reverse. <laughs> so everybody dies, except he gives the crystal to some of the people, some of the immortals on a horse. On the horse, I don't think. And they live with it because because the, they've decided because they're the good ones that have. That's May and her yeah, mates. and they okay. realised, uh, and they're going to go off and now live their natural lives yes. mm-hmm. and actually be more useful than these parasites who yeah. mm-hmm. live in this enclave or whatever, vortex, and that way they don't lose all their knowledge and history because it's still in the thingamabobby. And so they will go off and start a new... Colony. Colony yeah. amongst all the... Un- Watched. Yeah, I yeah. really understand why Zed and Consuelo didn't go with them and why they decided to set up house inside the old yeah. Zardos head. Yeah. Yes. There should be a lot of future with that. Really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And okay, so a Zed just sat on a rock. Yeah, like, they kind of get married. They shag. <laughs> yeah. She had a baby. Yeah. And then they sat on a rock for 20 years. Until they turned into skeletons. This is Beethoven. Isn't now, that presumably, presumably one of them died. Before the other, <laughs> yeah. and and proceeded to continue holding on to that person while they decayed to a skeleton. Exactly, that is suburban life. <laughs> and then you sit on a roll rock credits. for twenty years and die, and then literally roll credits. Where roll credits. You? Okay, the fuck end. it, we're done. That's it. <laughs> wow. Most of these movies, they they kind of have that trouble with the ending. It's yeah. like, okay, we killed the bad guy. Yep. What now? It's like, ah, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm thinking about sort of. So what's happened to all these dudes with the guns? Exactly. Because they're going to find them. Yep. And they were looking for them. <laughs> they're not hiding very they well. They were calling his name out. They were there to oh, find what they, him. What are they living on? Yeah. Yeah. What are they living on, raising this kid? Well, look about the cave occasionally. All that grain. Yeah. And those potatoes. Yeah. So, yeah, they kind of 
never and I think that's a bit of a trope for these these type of movies is they don't ever end it well I mean they just stop doing it I suppose, <laughs> and go home I suppose that montage of them sitting on the rock was supposed to show them over the years yeah, yeah. assuming they they lived the life and probably farmed outside Did something I thought else. there was one little moment there that was pretty cool where the kid grows up and then he stands up and goes to walk away and she puts his her hand out to yeah. to hold grab him and he just sort of walks off and then Sean Connery grabs the hand and then they hold hands and go and, and grow old together. And I think that was to symbolise, you know, her, yeah, it was he, him leaving the nest, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. There were plenty of those cool moments and you could see those little gems all the way through. Yeah. And you could see that there was a story there. There was a book there. Um, just the way that they tried to connect all of those things together yeah. was just that it was, was just the problem. Incredibly badly paced. I mean, the yeah, sections yeah. Of the film, Plotted, like you know, the blindness bit, which didn't need to be there at all. Mm. And there's other bits of film which really needed more explanation, which mm. didn't have that explanation. Mm. I spent a long time talking about penises and a long mm. time, you know. And the other thing that struck me about the film is actually it's quite violent in places. Mm. There's a rape sequence and there's people being shot for no reason at all. Mm. You know, it's, and it's, there's plenty of blood mm. in there. And, and also, but the same, all this hippie shit as well. You yeah. Know? Mm. It actually so, reminded yeah. me a lot of sort of 70s, early 80s avant-garde theatre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That I got exposed to in my studies, actually. Yeah. Um, that's what it reminded me a lot of. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely tennis is that. Yeah, all right. So, I don't know, wrap up with our final opinions. Yeah, it had a, um, at a 1.5 million budget. Oh, yeah. Um, that would be in those in those money, dollars in those dollars in those days. It was written, directed, and produced by the yeah. same person. As soon and as I think there's your problem. That's your problem. <laughs> as soon as Beck checks and balances. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as Beck saw that at the beginning of the film, because well, I can't say she watched it, but she was in the same room. Um, she she said, "This is going to suck." <laughs> the same guys written it, directed it, and produced it. Yeah. 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 Very true. I can, I can only give you admission numbers um, f- for how it did at the box office. It doesn't show me numbers. And for some weird, it's only admissions for France and Spain. It was probably burnt in every other nation. <laughs> Bizarre. But I, I'll be the first to tell you, I've never heard of it. I hadn't I had never heard of it. I actually remember seeing it advertised oh, on right. BBC television. Zardos. I remember seeing the, the headed... Heads on the, these people. I'd be seventy. What was it? Seventy-four. Seventy-four. So I'd be twelve. Tom actually, I wasn't very old. And Tom actually said he saw it when he was younger as well. Yeah. yeah. I and then it came on to on the BBC television and I watched it. Some of the imagery was recognisable. I think the face was, but then again, I yeah. think it's fairly. It, it's not that uncommon a sort of a mask. Um, it's it's it actually reminds me of the Greek. Um, uh, oh, they actually have. A name, but the, the mask. Hector or something like that. There's a mask. I, yeah, I know the one Greek you're talking drama. about. Yeah, yeah. I think they even use it um, in Life of Brian. I think at one point someone puts a mask on like that in, in one scene from Life, yeah. Life of Brian. But um, no, I never heard of it growing up. Never heard of it until, until it appeared on our to watch list. And then when I saw the trailer, <laughs> I, I didn't know what the fuck to make of it. Then when I got the film, I made the mistake of jogging through it. Okay. Zipping through a little bit and having a look, watch a minute. Yeah, it makes have even a look. less sense. <laughs> and it, it, what it did is it, it, it stripped me of my want to watch the whole thing. 
and I found it incredibly difficult to put aside the time to watch it and and, had, and only got to it last night. Mm. I just couldn't, something about it, I just couldn't do it. I think in a way, it's sort of, I was worried it was going to take away something because I grew up with Sean Connery being quite the hero. And... Um, he was 007 um, he was Indiana Jones's dad you know mm. he's, he's he, he always played really cool roles and stuff like that and to see him running around in his red undies and, and wedding dress you know and just this, this sort of film I'd seen movies like that before it reminded me of Tommy a little bit you know uh, the, the rock opera Tommy yeah. there was sufficient weirdness that Trippy. I yeah that I knew that I'd I, I was worried that it was going to damage his reputation in my eyes sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I just couldn't bring myself to watch it. And having watched it, I'm sort of – I'm glad that there's a cultural sort of it's, – it's a cultural icon now <coughs> that I'm glad that I can now reference. But I couldn't watch it again. Um, what does Sean Connery say about the film? I'd like to know what he thought. I don't know, but he was struggling. The, in the notes, he was struggling to get work. He'd just walked away from James Bond, and I think the movie was You Only Live Twice um, was his last James Bond movie, and he was struggling. He couldn't get work, and he went and did a couple of movies cheap. Um, he was... Not only did he... They only paid him 200 grand for it, he... Um, he volunteered to drive himself to and from the set every day and every, mm. so that they could afford extra things. When did his career pick up again? He went back to James Bond. He he he, he went away. Uh, Roger Moore did a James Bond movie and then Sean Connery came back. A little bit too old to be and then James Bond. Roger Moore went back again? And then Roger Moore became the James Bond for another few films and Connery went on to huge things after that um, he he was in he was voted the sexiest man alive at 63 years yeah. old world sexiest man alive I imagine that um, you know how we were describing this as like a book I imagine on paper this movie looks pretty good you know, and when you see the script and you hear the director talk about the themes and the ideas, because the themes and the ideas are fairly solid, mm. um, and it would have sounded sounded pretty good, worth a chance, worth a worth a worth a gamble. I think he could probably remake it. <laughs> you know, I think there was. I, if I can just say, I didn't hate this movie. You know, I didn't. I wouldn't watch it again. No. But. But but you I, wouldn't burn it. You know, I wouldn't burn it. No, it has some interesting things to say about philo philosophical comments about life mm. and eternal life, what eternal life would be, like, yep. and you know, um, what human not human humans species amounts to, mm. and also about how people can be manipulated yeah. and stuff. And you know, and, it and wasn't appallingly bad. And there were some actually quite decent bits in it along the way. Yeah, and it's certainly um, yeah. the story and the, the themes are consistent with. 1970s yeah. science fiction. I think it's a sign of the time. It's you know, you, you're swinging out yeah. of the Vietnam War, you've got, well, you, it's it's still alive, yeah, and, a, you know, still yeah. cracking at that point. But you're coming out of the 60s, yeah. um, you've got a lot of anti-heroes going on. It's quite, it's, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the original Planet of the Apes as well, that same yeah. sort of thing, mm. you know, this nihilistic sort of... And have you ever seen Slaughterhouse-Five, which is another one of these films from the era, sort of... And um, Ooh, I thought Solent Sol Green. Solent Green's another one of these. Definitely Solent Green, you know, yeah. Sort of a, you know, low That's on our list, actually. It is, yeah. 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 Very dark films. And they're all kind of that similar. Mm, not mm. Solent Green, isn't it? Like as trippy as this. I, but, it, you know. It's almost 
it's almost a, a rarer occurrence to have a film that is different to this type of film coming mm. from that era. Yeah. In, especially in sci-fi. Mm. Um, there's a lot of experimentation going on, yeah. not only behind the camera, but also in the tech. Mm. Um, the cinematographer in this film, um, it's it famously in the in the in the documentaries that are made about this film, he opened up the um, um, the angle of the lens so wide that let all the light rushing in. And then what he does is he puts a filter in the back of the camera that gives it this ethereal feel where where there's so much saturation of um, light but desaturation of colour. Mm. And so it gives us this ethereal feel. But the problem was that to re um, when you take the negative and try to reproduce it, a negative runs through the the chemical mm-hmm. and when there's more light there's less film left you know okay. what i mean yeah, when yeah. dark when it's a darker scene there's less chemical that that affects that okay. frame yep so much light is in the bloody frame that you can't reproduce it uh-huh. and so the the um, um 20th century fox and all of the big studios said to all of the the cinematographers get it out of your head you're not doing this anymore like yes it looks wonderful but we can't distribute the friggin film we can't mm-hmm. <laughs> we, they need to duplicate it mm-hmm. and, and send it on mm-hmm. um, but yeah this the guy that did this was it was his format it was his formula yeah, right. of doing it and so it had this feel to it yeah there's a lot of films it's, with that it, I think I probably was now like of it's, the it's very British isn't it it's a very British yeah it yeah, is yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely British cast yeah. set in Ireland which is pretty much Britain mm. yeah and it's just it's, got, it's a very British sort of quintessentially British science fiction thing yeah yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, and it's got Beethoven. But oh, and and the musical score. I know. I wasn't overly aware of the musical score I because I think I was a little yeah. numbed. Yeah, I they, they did the vision. Um, put the on the credits um, what the music was and who it was played by. It was played by um, some uh, symphony or from uh, Philharmonic Orchestra or something. from um, Amsterdam. I think. Oh yeah, probably yeah. It's a good. Oh, it's great. Great piece of music. So. Out of our standard scoring system of would you buy, rent or burn, um, Dan? Well, as I said, my, my opinions went from I thought it was terrible through to all of the stuff we discussed where I started to appreciate it a lot more and then I went back to realising that I was right the first time that it is terrible. <laughs> and I knew why. Yeah. So I'm burn. Burn yep. it. You're going to burn it. Burn it. Um, Rick? Uh, rent. Rent it, yeah. Yep. And I'm to with me, you. it's still better than that Banzai thing you made me with. <laughs> Buckaroo Banzai. That wasn't me. Who was that? <laughs> that was Tom. Banzai. Was it Tom? Or oh, it was, might have been me, actually. Or it might have been Dan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, in my opinion, it wasn't. Like, it was way worse than anything we've ever watched. But at the same time, I'm glad I watched it. It's fun I'm glad I watched it, but it's yeah. I'd be fine if we if it was burnt and yeah. we... It's on the arty end of, <laughs> of the films we yeah. watched. Yeah, I'd rent it. Yeah, it's um, you know the um, uh, the Razzies. Yeah, yeah, the Razzie Awards. Mm. It's 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 one of the. I think it's in the top ten of the most watchable bad movies. So the Razzies are sorted into shit movies that you can't watch, and then there's shit movies you can that are watchable. This, I, this is one of the better, one of the more recognisable, watchable bad movies. I'm uh, watching, uh, looking at IMDb, and it's given a five point eight. Yeah. And I often really do agree with some of the numbers for the other movies, 6.4, and I'm like, 
yeah, 6.4. That That's perfect, you know. But no, 5.8. No, it's not 5.8. It's 3.2. It is. It is. Because <laughs> got a feeling the Flash Gordon was only six or something. Like it was only marginally yeah, above that. Yeah, yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah. so for me, it's a, it's a rent. And Tony, you're a I'll play the video again. You're a rent. Well, I mean, I watched it last night and I, w- I watched it all and uh, I didn't feel like it was like two hours of my life that I'd never get back. I thought, well, yeah. isn't that quite like really? Yeah. And and I think I did, it, it shocked me then in that sense as well. I thought that I was going to hate it and I didn't. Um, there was enough there for me to get. And I, I'm I guess. the only person at this table who's seen it twice, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And That's probably why I'm making more sense of it, actually. And that will always be. I watched the case. it three times. Oh, you watched it three times. Oh, you did too. <laughs> um, but I, I will confess, just so that you're not thinking that I'm too much of a weirdo, is the second and third time I watch on high speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, That's the time when I take the, the and, things and write down the story. And so it's, it's the sort of film, the more I <clears throat> think about it, the more I like it. Well, For instance, I came in and I was like, oh. Yeah. But the more we've spoken about it, the more I appreciate artistically what they did with it. When I say burn it, I, I can appreciate exactly all of that, but I still, at the end of it, the little sheen ping that I stick on the top is that it's just put together so badly and it's so badly organised yeah. that that's the thing that annoys me about it. Yeah. Missed well, opportunity, perhaps, but... We might be yeah. similar, uh, Rick. There's enough in there to to find inspiration. Mm. Like, there's some stuff in there that could pop into your mind when it comes time to coming up with ideas for mm. story and narrative and whatever. Um, and therefore, it's, uh, I've made a connection to it in that yeah. way. Because I'm I've, glad I've I saw some things there that I'd never seen presented mm. that way before. Mm. But I wouldn't rush out to see it again. No. Yes. <laughs> no. But I'd love to see someone remake it. No. <laughs> no, take the st- I'd love to see someone take the story and make a new yes. film out of it. I guess that's No, no, no. 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 But it would be interesting to see somebody do it well, do the story yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Actually, cool. I, um there was just a scene there that I just cracked up. That um mirror pyramid. Yeah. Uh, yes, when they go down in it. Yeah, and he, put, he does that. Just get like that. <laughs> it's very pa- pantomime. Yeah, and you can tell the director's going, okay, so what we're going to do is you're just going to have to just duck down behind the pyramid. <laughs> and he's like, Sean Connery, six foot four. Yeah, it's a watch my motivation. Is this a, is it a lift or some sort of teleporter thing? <laughs> Don't ask stupid questions, Sean. All right. Uh, thank you, gentlemen, for joining us uh, once again. Um, We've had a little. I knew we were going to have a lot of fun talking about it. Yeah. Um, Rick, anything exciting? Very, very happy to hear that your the game that you were part of has been released. Yes. Remind our our um, three nine subscribers. Um, <laughs> yonder, uh, yonder, the Cloud Catcher Chronicles. That's right. Next next show, we'll pull it up at the start of the show and, oh, cool. and show some show some Out on PlayStation yeah. Four and Steam. Buy yes. It. Yes. Buy it. And not being hated. You know, um, it's, it, been, it's been well received. Yeah, it's been mm. well received. It does have a bit of a hate train because uh, I think uh, these days, as soon as you reach a certain level of popularity, you automatically have a hate train. Uh-huh. So I think the game's become big enough <laughs> to actually have its own hate train because it doesn't have combat and things uh-huh. like that. And that's Awesome. So we'll have a look at some imagery and uh, and maybe even some uh, some animation cutscenes, things like that next yep. next time around. Um, Tony, anything exciting coming up? Are you? Am I right in thinking that you're going to embark on some long distance running? I'm actually presenting at the Australia. This is completely different. In the Australia Computer Science uh, Conference, which is happening 
a week on Monday and Tuesday. I'm presenting a session Fantastic. on the Monday on AI in games and what we oh. teach at the AIE. Fantastic. And on the Tuesday, I'm running two workshops for teachers, teaching them about AI that would in be games. Tuesday the... Yeah, it's not next Tuesday, it's the following Tuesday. Tuesday the 15th? Does that sound right? No. Tuesday the 15th of August. And where's that again? Uh, it's at the... Con- the uh, is there a conference centre in Canberra? Whatever. Oh, it's not part of the National Science. Yeah, it probably is. Part is of it? That, yeah. yeah. That's it's awesome. Part of that. That's I, awesome. I got talked into doing it. Um, part I, of that. I'm quite... I mean, I've done a few presentations, but this is a bit stepping well outside my te- comfort zone because I'm not presenting to industry people. I'm presenting to other people. So awesome. I'll see how that goes. The National Science, um, uh, National Science Week mm. sort of thing. Yes, um, they've also got an, an interesting event as part of their program as well where you can go and watch um, – what's the event horizon? Interstellar. Interstellar. You can go and watch Interstellar and then after the film sit around and talk with scientists and the people that did the visual effects for it. Oh, that's cool. Because the visual effects were driven by scientists. Yeah, yeah. At, oh, cool. Digital when, domain. when and where's that? That's on the 14th, I think. Um, yeah, it's down in yeah. it at uh, the Palace Cinema. Yeah, and I think oh, the following cool. night they're going to do another movie. I can't remember. Yeah. But the program looks pretty good. So that's the Australian National Science Week. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thanks for joining us, one and all. Uh, until next time, it's bye from me. The penis is good. <laughs> Guns are bad. Gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.